0: This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The fall whitewater rafting and kayaking season is in full swing on the Gauley River. Ahead, Brianna Heaney visits what is considered to be one of the premier whitewater runs in the world.
1: What is absolutely epic, everyone will cheer as things are going wrong. But if things end up going weird, the cheers immediately stop. And the concern for the individual and getting them out of the scenario that they're in becomes paramount.
0: That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Fraser. The looming federal government shutdown will have a major impact on some of West Virginia's most vulnerable when it comes to putting healthy food on the table. Randy Yewey has more.
2: The state's two major food banks, Facing Hunger in Huntington and the Mountaineer Food Bank in Gassaway, help more than a quarter million people in need. Facing Hunger Food Bank CEO Cindy Kirkhart says a shutdown would immediately stop checks and meals going to tens of thousands in two programs, WIC, or Women's Infants and Children, and Meals on Wheels for Seniors. She says WIC families losing their about $200 a month checks will take away nutritional food resources.
3: Milk, juice. Cereal, those things that really, you know, families rely on to have healthy children suddenly become out of reach.
2: She says both groups will turn to depleted food banks and struggling charitable institutions for help. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston.
0: Governor Jim Justice's U.S. Senate candidate financial disclosure form reveals details not found in his filings to the state's ethics commission. Curtis Tate has more.
2: One thing Jim Justice, the Senate candidate, is required to report that Jim Justice, the governor, is not his liabilities. Justice is not required to list his debts in his annual disclosure filed with the West Virginia Ethics Commission. However, his disclosure as a U.S. Senate candidate, filed Monday, shows tens of millions of dollars in liabilities. For example, Justice owes $25 million to $50 million to J.P. Morgan Chase. The New York bank is his largest single creditor. It is also one of the five banks on the state treasurer's restricted financial institutions list because that office determined the bank was boycotting fossil fuel investments. Justice made his fortune in the coal business, and most of his assets are coal-related. The law behind the restricted financial institutions list, SB 262, does not apply to justice. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston.
0: A film called Impossible Town, based in Minden, West Virginia, features Dr. An Amjad's efforts to relocate the town's residents after decades of exposure to chemical contamination during her tenure as the state's health officer. Appalachia health news reporter Emily Rice spoke with the co-directors of the film ahead of free screenings of the film across the mountain state.
3: In the 1980s, the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, found that Schaefer Equipment was responsible for contaminating Minden, West Virginia's soil with harmful chemicals called polychlorinated biphenyls, or PCBs. In 1984, the EPA declared a portion of land in Minden as a Superfund site meaning it had been contaminated by hazardous waste and a candidate for cleanup because it posed a health and environmental risk. The EPA did soil testing again in 2017 at the Schaefer site, as well as near homes in Minden. The results showed the community wasn't in need of immediate action and therefore not a candidate for the national priorities list. Over the years, while all that testing, cleanup, and bureaucracy occurred, Dr. Ayn Abjad grew up in Minden, raised by a father who taught her to help others, and demonstrated that sentiment by researching the influence of PCB exposure on the number of cancer deaths reported in Minden. When Dr. Hassan Amjad passed away on August 29th, 2017, his daughter, Dr. Ian Abjad, took over the project of establishing a cancer registry to count the number of cases in Minden. For a decade, co-directors Meg Griffiths and Scott Ferris looked for a West Virginia story to tell, while creating documentary content for nonprofits, foundations, and socially conscious brands. Scott grew up in West Virginia, where the majority of his family resides to this day and has always wanted to tell stories about his homestead.
4: And so we started putting out feelers, asking simply who is doing interesting and inspiring things in the state. And very quickly connected with Jeremy Morris, who at the time was working with Wheelock, which is a news publication in Wheeling. And Jeremy told us, you know, you should really reach out to my former high school classmate, Dr. Ayn Amjad. I think she's trying to move a town or something. And we thought, wow, what an incredible hook for a story. We have to find out more.
3: Filmed over the course of four years, Impossible Town features moments that help viewers get to know Dr. Ayan Abjad and the Minden residents who inspired her work to help them relocate.
4: There's so much history to take in surrounding the environmental contamination in Minden. When we embarked on this project initially, we thought we would make a short film about Dr. Amjad and her family's efforts to aid this small community. But what we discovered very quickly is that because the context is so complicated and the history so extensive, it really called for a much deeper dive than simply a five or 10 minute film. And that is what really led us to this feature-length project, Impossible Town.
3: Griffiths said the film will leave viewers with a sense of urgency, not just about environmental protection, but also to support local leaders of small communities.
5: I think in addition to, you know, folks feeling an increased sense of urgency, I think there's a call to action as well around um, figures like Dr. Amjad and the demands that we place around, around heroic figures like her. That are in our communities. And I think there's a call to action for all of us as citizens to support those leaders and also question for ourselves how we can better help and aid those in communities like Minden that live closest to us.
3: While the story of Minden, West Virginia, has been extensively covered in local and national media, Griffiths believes Impossible Town shines a new light on the story.
5: What's happening in Minden has been covered a lot at the state level, at the national level, but we really think the angle that we brought to the story is really different than previous coverage um, that has explored some of these issues. And I think that viewers that are familiar with the story and, and that are familiar with Dr. Amjad will be shocked. They'll be heartbroken, um, and it
3: will like, it will challenge people's thinking. Ferris said the film shows the best and worst of West Virginia.
4: And when I say worst, I mean specifically the damaging history of exploitative industry and environmental contamination. And when I say best, I mean specifically the goodness of the people in West Virginia Their willingness to help their neighbor and go out of their way to sacrifice for somebody that maybe they barely know and have very little in common with.
3: The premiere of Impossible Town will take place in seven cities and some showings are free to the public. Visit wvpublic.org for more information about Impossible Town showings across Appalachia. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston.
0: Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's (music) 7.52. Areas of fog this morning, variable cloudiness today. Scattered light rain with highs in the 60s and 70s. Tonight a slight chance of rain with lows in the 50s. Tomorrow variable cloudiness, a slight chance of rain, highs in the 60s and 70s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers and West Virginia families. Information at torressavealaw.com. The fall whitewater rafting and kayak season is in full swing on the Gauley River. Brianna Heaney has the story. As summer winds down, tens of thousands of whitewater rafters
6: and kayakers from all over the country begin their migration to West Virginia. They are here for the Gauley River, which normally only has navigable flows during the fall. Those flows are part of a planned effort of dam releases in the fall to draw down Summersville Lake and support whitewater rafting and kayaking. Companies offer guided trips down the river for customers without expert whitewater skills. But most of the boats on the river are private boaters or individuals who own their own equipment and have the professional knowledge and abilities to navigate the river. The National Park Service says this year they have seen more private boaters than ever. Matt McQueen is a park ranger and kayaker. The Golly runs two to four days a week during its six-week season. And on those days, he is on the river with other rangers. He says during Golly season, the brown, green, and orange hues of the landscape are interrupted with the bright colors of the boats and rafters headed downstream from where the river begins at Summersville Dam.
2: A lot of different colors, a lot of plastic on the water, uh, a lot of smiling faces. A lot of glitter, a lot of lipstick. There's definitely a whole culture involved in the whitewater industry that is kind of unique for sure. And those colorful, glittery private
6: boaters gather on this river from all over the country.
2: I had never spoken about West Virginia in my life until the gully was brought up.
6: That's Melissa Clavia Wintrop. She started guiding this summer in her home state of Montana.
2: A lot of our senior guides had spoken a big a big game about the Gali. I'd heard this name kind of floating around the parking lot since I had gotten there.
6: Kevin Fitch agrees. He has been guiding for nine years in Colorado and has come to West Virginia for the past few falls to work and play on the river.
1: People traveled to West Virginia from Alaska, California, Oregon, Washington. So it ends up being kind of a reunion for a lot of folks, even if they haven't been to the Gali in seasons past.
6: The rafters say they come out here because of how massive the whitewater is. The Whitewater Guidebook says the Gali is the best river for a single day trip. And the Gali usually finds itself in the top five of any other national or international best whitewater list. That's because it has many of the qualities that create big whitewater. A steep descent, lots of water, and lots of obstacles. During the release, it runs at a minimum of 2800 CFS, or cubic feet per second, which is about the size of a basketball. and if there was a line going across the river, every second, 2,800 basketballs worth of water cross that line.
1: Because of the style of the gully, 2,800 ends up being a, a large amount of water for relatively a small river.
6: And Fitch says the combination of those features make the waves reminiscent of a big swell on the ocean.
1: You're looking 10 feet above you at the crest of the wave, and your only perspective, your only visual at that point is the water around you and the trees that can poke out above them.
6: Those waves, rocks, and water all factor into a whitewater classification system that rates rapids on a level of difficulty between 1 and 6. Park Ranger McQueen says that you can think of Class 1 as a choppy day on a lake, and Class 6 as a nearly impossible run.
2: Class five is more of an expert level where significant hazards are present. The route's not always easily apparent. There's some solid navigational skills that need to be required to get through Uh, strength for sure.
6: The Gully has five class five rapids, Iron Curtain, Pillow, Lost Paddle, Iron Ring, and Sweets Falls, as well as many other smaller rapids. In those rapids, the chances of ending up in the water are higher, says McQueen. He lives by the water mantra that a boater is always just in between swims.
2: No matter how good or skilled or experienced you are as a whitewater paddler, eventually something's going to happen that you're going to find yourself in the water taking a swim.
6: That's why the Park Service is out there. And if you have made a small or big mistake, you might hear this.
1: Cheers generally mean that uh, you have messed up your line. Che- cheers generally mean that somebody is going in the water. That's Fitch again.
6: He says those cheers are part of the rowdy and colorful Golly River culture. But he says...
1: What is absolutely epic about those times is everyone will cheer as things are going wrong. But if things end up going weird, um, the cheers immediately stop. And the concern for the individual and getting them out of the scenario that they're in becomes paramount. Um, and that is one of the aspect of phenomenal community here.
6: The Golly River usually gets 20 to 30,000 visitors each season, although rangers are predicting that the number is this year could be their highest yet. This year, the season started September 8th and will end on October 22nd. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney
0: on the Golly River. Yeah. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Concord University and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.